Thank you for traveling with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. The best conversations I have with my colleagues are the ones that happen when no one is looking, when we're not 100% sure yet what to write. Hopefully, having conversations like this can help you figure out your own point of view. That's kind of our job as Washington Post opinions columnists. I'm Charles Lane, Deputy Opinion Editor. And I'm Amanda Ripley, a contributing columnist. We're going to bring you into these conversations on a new podcast called Impromptu. Follow Impromptu now, wherever you listen. Looking to step up your Mother's Day flowers? The Home Depot has an idea. Let mom's green thumb do some digging with colorful flowers, pots, and premium soils to bring out the most in her patios, walkways, and gardens. Right now, get Vigoro Potting Soil, just $8.97 for strong, healthy, vibrant plants indoors and outside. Shop our wide selection online and pick up your order in-store and give mom the gift of a beautiful garden. Get Vigoro Potting Soil, just $8.97 at The Home Depot. How doers get more done. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Hello and welcome to the MMQB podcast. I am your host, Gary Gramling. I am with Andy Minoit. Uh Andy, we are we are underway here with the season. We're, we're going to preview three games from Sunday and Monday action. But uh, let's start with the Thursday night game. Bit of a bit of a bummer for Texans fans this morning. Uh, less of a bummer than it was last time, at least. But um, Kansas City was in total command. Not total command, but they Kansas City did what they wanted to do in, within the flow of that game. And I, I thought Houston had a, a, a solid plan, Gary. I mean, it's, it looks like they're going to be a lot more multiple under Anthony Weaver as defensive coordinator, which is that's uh, that's kind of unique. Usually. I'd have to go back and look at this. I don't want to generalize, but I want to say when you have defensive line coaches that become coordinators, those guys tend to play straightforward four-man rush concepts. That's what they've coached. They, they, they're confident in that because they can coach those guys individually. Weaver was drawing up a lot of different pressure designs, which I've gotten to know him a little bit, and now that I've seen what he does, it doesn't surprise me looking back on some of the things I've talked with him about. He, he, he sees the full game for sure. And especially once you get into the box and all the different things you can do in the box, I thought they had the right approach against Kansas City. They mixed in pressure and they mixed in two deep looks and Kansas City ultimately ran the ball and what happened was the Chiefs ran the ball effectively. Yeah, they uh, they really didn't get any downfield shots. They had Demarcus Robinson drop that one touchdown early on. That got overturned on the review, but uh, mm-hmm. that was it. it. It wasn't you know it wasn't a Chiefsy. Oh my goodness, you know Tyreek Hill got loose for a six yard touchdown type of game. It was just a methodical uh, Drew Breesian type of sustained drive offense here. Can I give you a small confession on that uh, Demarcus Robinson play? Yes. Yeah, what were you going to say? No to that? Um, (laughs) I think our listeners know how we like Justin Reed on this show now, right? Have we gone over Mm -hmm. Justin Reed and what a good safety he is for Houston? So this this is why September can drive me crazy. 
you know, some of these guys are new and they're rookies. You haven't seen them before. And the slot corner last night for Houston was John Reed, number 34. The Reed is spelled exactly like Justin. So a couple of J. Reed guys. And I saw him in the slot. I saw Reed, and I thought, oh, my goodness, jo- you know, Justin Reed's playing the slot. Well, I guess he did that last year at times. He, once in a while, it's not what he does normally, but maybe that's what they'll do. And then I saw Reed, Justin Reed, again, back out on Demarcus Robinson playing outside corner, and I couldn't believe that. And I thought, my goodness, Justin Reed's now a cornerback, and that's that's the story of the game for me. But I guess it was John <laughs> Reed who I saw in the slot. However, the interesting thing was it was Justin Reed yeah. on that play against Robinson. He was at outside corner. I don't know if it was the only snap he did it. I, my guess is it was. I You know, I, you have to watch the film and pause it to confirm that kind of thing. But anyway, Justin Reed made a nice play on that ball, too. Robinson probably should catch it, but not a lot of safeties would cover that kind of route by them by themselves out on the, out, out out wide like that. Yeah. And what did you uh what do you think of uh Clyde Edwards Hilaire, your first look at him? Thought he looked slow. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he's the guy everyone's talking about today and and I understand why and I, I that's what they drafted him for. He, you know, he reminds me of Giovanni Bernard a little bit, but lighter and and quicker. He's, he's a swifter Giovanni Bernard, and maybe that's what people say when any time a running back is short. But we're thinking of those short, low center of gravity, change of direction type of guys. And I see Edwards Hilaire through one game, but you can usually get a pretty good feel for what type of back a guy is after one game. Um, I, I see him as a more dynamic Giovanni Bernard, potentially. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he can do stuff in the passing game. They didn't even utilize yeah. it last night. They really didn't have to, so. Yep. All right, let's get to the action here. We're going to do three games. We're going to do Bucks saints We're going to do Patriots-Dolphins, and we're going to do Titans-Broncos. But let's start with the headliner, Breeze versus Brady, Bucks versus Saints. Uh, NFC South, all the... All, all the good action in that division this year. Okay, so let's start with Saints offense versus Bucks defense. Uh, Todd Bowles' unit only got Drew Brees once last year. Brees was hurt for the first meeting in New Orleans. That was Bridgewater. Uh, so they met last November. A uh, lot of short passing stuff. Saints went field goal, field goal, touchdown, touchdown on the first four drives. One of them was a turnover and then quick touchdown. Uh, but the bottom line was Brees was efficient. They, they kind of, the Saints did what they wanted to do. Uh, is that type of Saints offense, is that going to give a Todd Bowles secondary more trouble than, than uh, I don't know, an offense that maybe is trying to push the ball downfield a little bit more? Um, yeah, perhaps. I mean, Bulls wants to blitz ultimately. ultimately. We've said that a thousand times or anytime we've talked about Todd Bulls that comes up. Breeze is not necessarily the quarterback to blitz because of how efficient he is. He gets the ball out, so all right, then let's keep bodies back in coverage. And in, in Tampa's case, I don't know if that would mean more zone for them this week or more man-to-man because we, we don't know quite what their secondary is. That was kind of the theme of this defense last season was they were learning as they went along, what do we have in the secondary? We've drafted a lot of guys here. Uh, we feel pretty good about Carlton Davis. as, as He might not be a true number one corner, but he's our number one corner. What are we getting out of Sean Murphy bunting? You know, does he play the slots? Is he playing safeties? He playing outside? What are we doing there? And then Jamel Dean was their third round pick a year ago. You know, they're they're trying to figure those guys out. So I don't know if they have a man to man secondary quite yet or not. I think that's ultimately where they want to be. 
the guys that Breeze, you know, Breeze still works between the field numbers a lot. They don't do it as much as they used to. It used to be all they did in New Orleans. They they, they, they use the width of the field now more in part because Breeze doesn't push it vertically as much anymore. But I think ultimately the guys that are going to be attacked in coverage, Gary, are those linebackers one way or another, whether it's Alvin Kamara versus man coverage of the linebackers. Um, or, you know, we're talking Levante David and Devin White, of course. Or if it's zone coverage and you're going to see Michael Thomas inside and the linebackers have to patrol that. That's probably where this game resides. And if you put it that way, Tampa Bay can feel okay about that. And those are, those are two really high-level linebackers they have. Yeah, it's... Uh... That that Bucks defense is going to be fascinating. The secondary specifically, it's a lot of day two picks that they've spent over the years, and uh, you could look at it and you could be optimistic about it. You could also look at it and say, "Boy, this is a this is a potential trouble spot here." But this is this is a heck of a way to start the season for them. Get a get a read on what they are. It is, and then. Um... You know, their run defense, by the way, was ranked number one last year. And I'd forgotten that until I kind of went back through this stuff a few weeks ago. And it was a true number one. It wasn't like they were number one because nobody ran the ball against them. They threw on them all day. It wasn't like that necessarily. I mean, they were efficient as well as just productive in the grand scheme of things. So it's a solid run defense. And, you know, their defensive line, when you actually stop and think about it, we don't talk about their D-line a whole lot. But... Jason Pierre Paul and Dominican Sue are still high quality veterans. They're not the superstars that they were five, six years ago, but they're plus players. They're above average for sure. Vita Vey is on his way to getting into near the upper tier. And I could see him actually taking a big jump this year. And then Shaq Barrett, who had all the sacks last season, I thought at times he was almost just as impressive against the run. He was a complete player a year ago. He wasn't just a guy who happened to rack up a lot of sacks. His numbers were very reflective of his film. Bucks offense versus Saints defense. Obviously, we haven't seen Brady running the Bucks just yet. Uh, when you think of sort of the, the best Brady offenses of recent years, it's it's attacking with those inside weapons. It, it was Edelman, and it was, uh, it was Gronkowski, and it was James White in New England. If they try to replicate that, obviously he he has Gronk again. I don't know if he he quite has anyone like James White in this backfield. Uh, Chris Godwin obviously is is a is a monster out of the slot. If it is a similar, uh, you know, using the inside guys, are the Saints vulnerable there? I mean, they're really good at safety. They're maybe a little bit thinner at linebacker. Yeah, perhaps. I and mean, what we're that's a, what we're discussing is is Kiko Alonso there. Um, and I guess, you know, actually, I'm forgetting Alex Anzalone played in. Alonzo's not even healthy yet. So it'll be Alex Anzalone's the guy. And that's what they drafted him for in 2017 is to be a, a, a passing down linebacker. And he has shown flashes for sure, but he's been injured a lot. So he's kind of a mystery overall. Demario Davis is your other linebacker. He'll play in nickel and he'll play in dime as well because they do a 3-2 dime there in New Orleans. So they keep they keep their linebackers on the field. What you want to do is have to make Davis be a reactionary player if you can. The Saints have done a nice job of adjusting their scheme in ways that make Davis an attacking player, whether it's using him on blitzes or sometimes he'll go straight man-to-man coverage. But for the most part, he's gone from being a read-and-react guy to a pin-your-ears-back-and-attack guy, and he became a first-team All-Pro last year doing that. If you can find a way to get him or isolate him, you want to get them reacting to you. Most likely, though, the plan will be isolating that other linebacker, whoever it is out there, and it'll probably be Anzalone. Do you think the the, the Bucks might feel that 
to some degree LaShawn McCoy could play the James White role for them? I wonder. Yeah. I mean, it. it he he's not James White at this point in his career. So, I, you know. But, I, you know, James White, and I think James White's a really good player. James White does not have special attributes, though. He's an effective route runner. He has a quarterback that understands how to get the ball to the running back when it's when that's appropriate. So it's an efficient check down game, an efficient underneath passing game. Um, he's had that in Brady, and of course, and that's what McCoy is going to have in the same Tom Brady now in Tampa. I wonder if they might view McCoy in that same. Way. And of course, Ronald Jones is not a stiff, so maybe it's going to yeah. be Jones on the field. Um, I think White has a feel as a as a route runner that. You know, yeah, maybe can't really probably, be taught, yeah. and and yeah. McCoy. Not that again, not that McCoy can't do that to an extent, but just I, I don't think he's as effective doing it. Yeah, that's that's probably fair. I'll be interested to see how they play these guys. I've been asked a lot the last few weeks doing just different radio shows. I'm I'm shocked at the number of people that are asking about Leonard Fournette and what that yeah. means now for the Buccaneers. I think this is going to be a three man backfield rotation. And it'll look a little different each week depending on the opponent, but I think that's what they're going to do in Tampa. It's oh, really more had, about their tight ends. Yeah, I was going to say, everyone had their fantasy draft in the past week, so everyone wanted to know what to do with uh, Fournette at that point because that is the most important thing going on in the NFL this year. There you go. What's your gut feeling on this on this Bucks offense? More good, positive good. than negative. Yeah, I was going to say, going to take a while to come together or are we ready to go week one here? It, it could. You know, watching that Bucks offense last year, and as you know, I did a big report on interceptions, and I looked at all the sacks on first and second down. The Bucks offensive line really was not good a season ago in pass protection. We're talking, and they were actually pretty inconsistent in the run game. And it's not necessarily an expansive run game in area and scheme. It's pretty straightforward, north and south between the tackles. We're running a lot of inside zone. That's what we do. That offensive line needs to play better for this offense to get going right away. And we've talked about how Bruce Arians, you know, those deeper dropbacks that they do, like to get fall five guys out eligible in routes. The O-line has to be, the O-line has a big burden on it. And if it doesn't respond well, Brady, when he does struggle, which obviously is not often, but when he does struggle, it's often with him anticipating or starting to speed himself up under the expectation that pressure could be coming. And if he doesn't trust the O-line, that could be a concern in, in this offense. All right. Well, there's your headliner for the week. The uh, uh, Bucks go to New Orleans, 4 o'clock Sunday, national game. Uh, all right, let's let's go let's go Dolphins at Patriots here. This is a rematch of Week 17 last year when the when the Dolphins pulled off the upset, knocked the Patriots out of the two seed. Uh, Patriots, so they, they, they're what? They're in a two-game losing streak coming into this game. Dolphins are on a winning streak. Uh, let's start Dolphins offense versus Patriots defense. Uh, as you know, Andy, I am going to force my way into the uh, Hall of Fame voting room one day and and make the case for Ryan Fitzpatrick. Uh, he has had, I don't want to overstate it, um, but he has had sporadic success facing the Belichick Patriots. Uh, I, I'm not saying he, you know, you squint and you think you're watching prime Brett Favre, but uh, I do wonder... Is there something to be said for the unpredictability working in his favor at times of, of, of his style of play? Or is this just, you know, like last year when he throws some rainbow passes and Devontae Parker makes some plays against Stephon Gilmore? Is that just sort of, I don't know, luck for better or worse? Well, 
It's you know actually I've never thought about the Favre thing, but a person could probably say Fitzpatrick to some degree is a poor man's Brett Favre stylistically. Yeah. Yeah, and they even have a similar looking. I mean, it's been a while since I've seen Favre, so my mind's eye is maybe off. But I want to say they even have kind of similar throwing motions. Favre, of course, is a more talented thrower. Anyway, um, put, put their busts next to each other in Canton one day. Yep. And do you think Fitzpatrick's bust would have a beard? Uh, I guess you have to right now, right? I don't know. He's had more years without the beard. I've come around on the beard. But first, when I saw it, I have to admit, this is probably the oldest I've ever felt. Like just an old man. I thought that is inappropriate. That's not how a quarterback should look. That is an inappropriate length of a beard for a, a, a leader of a huddle. But I have just, I don't know. I've moved on, grown up, or, or lowered my standards, or whatever. I don't know what I've done. I've, you did I've, all I've, of those things. I pick different fights now. Um, we don't probably have to worry about the beard and the bust. It probably won't come up again. Uh, what was your question? How do you handle the Patriots and their man coverage, and how do you attack them, what Fitzpatrick can do? Yeah, well, yes, but and why Why has it worked at times in the past? Well, I think anytime you have a quarterback who's going to be ultra-decisive, which Fitzpatrick is, by nature, that's going to work sometimes. I mean, Fitzpatrick's not a fool. You know, It's not like he can't read coverages. It's that he'll when he gets in trouble, he plays outside himself. He does a little bit more than he writes checks. His his physical abilities can't always cash, um, but when he's on, it looks very good. It can be very effective. And that decisiveness, I remember when Rosen went out last year and Fitzpatrick came in. And our listeners know that I'm I've often been very bullish on Josh Rosen. It was immediately apparent how different the offense felt and flowed just because the quarterback was preemptive on a lot of what he did. He he was just, Fitzpatrick was a quicker, more decisive player. I think there's something to be said for that. I would imagine it's easier to play with a guy like that. If you're a receiver or or anybody, anyone out in the field, it's easier to play with that kind of quarterback. All right. This Patriots offense versus Dolphins defense. Obviously, we haven't seen, we assume it's going to be Cam Newton under center for the Patriots. Uh, and you're going to have a run-oriented attack here. If you're a defense like the Dolphins, you don't have dynamic pass rushers. You do uh, theoretically have guys who can probably play the run pretty well at this point. Uh, now, they did get lit up by the Ravens uh, to start last season with an offense where you know we didn't know exactly what the Ravens were going to do offensively. They expected them to be uh, very limited in the passing game, and that, that wasn't the case, and the Ravens lit them up. But uh, if it is an offense that looks more like you know Panthers circa 20. 13 or whatever it might be is that a better matchup for Miami at this point would you go out and say like okay they, they can handle sort of an assignment based run defense like that um I'd probably prefer to to have it be more of a passing game given all the investments that they've made in their secondary with Byron yeah. Jones and then Noah uh is that how it is Igbenagaheen there it is let's do it yeah. Igbenagaheen. Igbenagaheen. Yeah, that, I'll get it from here on. It's never going to happen again. Um, and Xavier Howard, of course, if he's available and healthy and at his best, that's a that's that's a that's a rich cornerbacking unit. Play man coverage, of course. You feel good about that. That's why you've invested all of that in that secondary. So I I would rather the game go that way if I'm New England or if I'm Miami, especially if it's Cam Newton under center. It probably will go the runway, though. That's they're gonna they're gonna run the ball and be creative about it in New England. That's my prediction for this year. 
Yeah, the Dolphins, uh, I don't know. They're, they're going to have that high-priced secondary out there trying to stop Damari Bird, I guess. Igbenagaheen, see? Yeah. Yeah. I, I like it. I like it. I agree with it. Yeah. Um, one concern about the Miami defense in terms of stopping the run, I guess two. One is that Christian Wilkins is their most talented guy up front as a as a potential run defender. He needs to be more consistent than he was a year ago. He really didn't throw his strength around a whole lot last year. You wouldn't have known. You could see the traits, but you wouldn't have known that that he was a first round pick based on the way he sometimes applied his traits. He just needs to. He needs to take a step in year two like a lot of rookies would and then their linebackers are I want to say they're a little undersized for what this defense typically employs I mean Jerome Baker's about 230 that's the mm. guy I was kind of thinking about when I said that so who are in and, and then he landed Roberts we know he can do it because he's played in New England before but you know he's a backup for the Patriots a lot of his career and he was actually their smallest linebacker there as well so they have undersized linebackers in the middle which doesn't mean you can't play it just that's but that's not how the scheme is ideally drawn up it, typically you the Patriot style defenses had those thumping linebackers. That's what Detroit's done. That's obviously how New England's played over the years. Look at think about Dante Hightower, uh, Jamie Collins to some degree. The Dolphins don't have it at that particular position right now. All right. Uh, one more game to go here in the show. But uh, before we get to it, do you have a bit of a programming note here that uh, will interest? Well, pretty much all of you out there. Uh, I mean, look, we, we run through the preseason here. The season is starting. You know pretty much all you need to know for the 2020 season. So uh, with that in mind, uh, this will be it for a while for Andy Benoit. Uh, That's he, right. We're done. We have nothing left to say. He has, uh, uh, in all seriousness, so, so I, I, and I know you can't go into a tremendous amount of detail here, Andy. I, can, can I just say it's... It's a better opportunity that you were offered. It is in football, but it is outside of media. And uh, maybe you'll be back later, but we're, uh, I, I guess we're not counting on it. Yeah, I think that's all well said and it's fair and uh, I'm excited for it. I've been doing already different things than I've, I've done before. So I'm, I'm feeling the weight of the challenge and it's, it's going to be a lot of fun. Well, you've uh, you have been the best in the business for years, and and I that is the greatest cliche I could come up with to uh, to compliment you at this point. But uh, it, it is very true, and we've been incredibly lucky to have you uh, on our staff and on the show over the years. And I personally am very lucky that you've tolerated me as your co-host for the past four years. Uh, and look, it, it, there was a mess last October, and and some some very dumb decisions were made. But uh, I am glad you are leaving on your terms, and that uh, we get to say a, a proper goodbye this time before we we never speak again because we're not contractually obligated to. Yeah, I appreciate that. You know, I appreciate you, Gary. And I we hear from our listeners, and we love doing that. And I, I think they appreciate the rapport that you and I have. And I just want them to know that we're as as friendly as. Gary and I are on the air. We're even better friends off the air. Gary has been one of the best editors I've ever worked with. He's become probably my best friend within the industry over the years. He's certainly the guy I, I turn to when I need my first round of advice. And then, then I go look for the better advice a little bit later, but I kick things <laughs> off by asking Gary his thoughts on things. So I'm going to miss doing this and I'm going to miss interacting with our, our listeners. Um, and I'm, I'm excited to, to be really neck deep in, in hardcore football for the foreseeable future. 
And uh, I, I do want to let everyone know, I'll be back on Mondays during the year. It's actually, the show is going to come out a little later in the day. We're going to tape in the morning instead of uh, uh, at 3 a.m. Because it just, uh, I don't know, people have to live their lives. But uh, we'll have a rotating cast of characters to recap the Sunday action. Uh, I am going to make Andy tell me stuff on every occasion I can possibly get. And then I will just sort of rehash it as my own. And everyone will be, will be amazed at how well uh, I know football these days. But uh, uh Still going to have podcasts on Monday, going to have the gambling show on Fridays. We are working on putting something together for another day in the week. But uh, I, to be honest, it's I, I'm not sure. I'm not sure exactly what we're going to do at this point, but we will figure out and it will be great. But uh, uh, we're going to be without Andy. So uh, I, I, I don't know what you're supposed to do at this point. So uh, I don't know. Send send Andy a letter. Yeah. Yeah. Money. I, send money. Yeah, it's send send a, a, a donation. Absolutely. <laughs> Whatever money you have in your pocket now, put it in an envelope and mail it to Andy Benoit. Just put Andy Benoit in an envelope. It'll get to him. All right. Last game of this show, Titans at Broncos. It, it always had to end with Titans at Broncos yeah. on a Monday <laughs> yes, night. Yep. Uh, let's start with Titans offense here. Look, these teams met. This was Marcus Mariota versus Joe Flacco when they met last October. It was a 16-0 Broncos win. Uh, Tannehill came on for Mariota partway through this game. But uh, I will say, uh, Derrick Henry, 15 carries, 28 yards uh, against that Broncos defense. Are the Broncos, you know, it, look, Von Miller is out. It's been a it's been a rough couple of weeks for uh, for Denver here. Uh, but is this defense, is this Vic Fangio defense just better equipped to deal with Derrick Henry? Or, or was it just a matter of, you know, they, they sort of got the Titans before the Titans had really hit their stride? I think some of that is the way that Denver plays. You know, Vic Fangio's always committed very heavily to stopping those outside zone run teams in terms of how he lines up. He'll put he'll go five one fronts and put guys up on the line of scrimmage. He'll make you have to to win on the edges, really win on the edges, not just have your blocking designs win on the edges. He challenges outside zone running games tactically. And maybe we'll see that in this game as well. The, the challenge with Tennessee and, and the really good offenses that run these outside zone schemes or the wide zone schemes is they can do the play action off of it. And I would imagine Arthur Smith, you know how I feel about Arthur Smith. I think he's a phenomenal play call. I would imagine they're going to have contingency plans should they see looks from Denver that are unfavorable to their run game. All right. Other side of the ball here, you have the uh, Broncos offense versus the Titans defense. Uh, it's It's been, a, as I said, it's been a rough couple of weeks for the Broncos here. Cortland Sutton is a question mark for this game now with a shoulder injury he suffered in Thursday's practice. Uh, but I just want to I want to talk about Drew Locke. I, I don't know if they necessarily, uh, you know, open it up with him uh, last year, with the exception of that one game in Houston where he really lit it up. But uh as far as facing this Titans defense, do the Titans basically present enough looks, enough complicated stuff to to make things particularly difficult on a guy making, uh, you know, uh, what is this, like start like eight career for, for Locke here? Yeah, I think it's number six, isn't it? I think he was five starts last year. Yeah. And, um, and really, I, I almost wouldn't count the Kansas City start. It was a game, but it was in the snow, and it's it's hard to evaluate a QB there. I think Locke is very much a mystery at this point. 
Um, and, and Tennessee's a hard defense to play against when you're a second-year QB. Baker Mayfield found that out in week one last year. Mayfield had played a full rookie season. So Locke will be challenged there for sure. And if Cortland Sutton's unavailable, now you don't have your big X receiver on the outside or on the backside to help regulate the safeties. And usually when, when quarterbacks get in trouble in terms of reading the field and handling coverage disguises, it's the backside safety that causes problems. So having a, a good weak side receiver that can hold that safety, that can do a lot for a young QB. Yeah, and if Sutton's not there, they're not going to have that. So it's a challenge. There's no question about it. And Tennessee gets to a lot of zone coverages. So not only are they disguising, but they've got eyes on the QB while they do it. And the pass rush is very well schemed. And they added a pretty good player the other day in Jadevian Clowney. It's a challenging game for Locke. Mm. All right. Andy, you are loved. You will be missed. Thank you for everything all over, over the years here. Hey, I appreciate you, Gary. And uh, I, I look forward to continuing to talk to you, but we're not going to let people hear, hear it anymore. Like I said, I, I, I can't wait to repackage your thoughts as my own. Yeah. <laughs> Watch my star rise. Good. Thanks for everything. The MMQB Podcast is me, Gary Grandling. Special thanks to Andy Benoit once again. Uh, like I said, he will be missed around these parts. We are produced by Shelby Royston, SI's executive producer of podcasts, Scott Brody. Ben Eagle is director of editorial projects and product. Mark Ravick is emeritus editor of the MMQB. Andy Benoit is the founder of the MMQB NFL Podcast. Keep up with our entire lineup of podcasts five days a week by subscribing to the MMQB Podcast for free on Apple Podcasts. And while you're there, please do us a favor and leave a rating and review. It really does help other people find the show, which is also available on Spotify, Radio.com, Stitcher, SI.com, and wherever else you listen to podcasts. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more... Right now, you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union. A savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. We'll be right back. 
We are the voice of NASCAR. The green flag is in the air, and we are underway. The great American race. The Motor Racing Network. NASCAR Cup, Xfinity, and Craftsman Truck Series Racing. Live on your hometown radio station and MRN or NASCAR.com. Martinsville, Talladega, the Chicago Street Course. We have the side-by-side action and last lap passes for the win. Photo finishes. Ryan Blaney will win. The voice of NASCAR, the Motor Racing Network. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350-plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play.